Hey, brothers and sisters, Donnie V, king of power pop, and you're listening to Trent and Jason and the Thunder Underground. Welcome to episode 296 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent here. Jason couldn't make it this week, but I've got someone else joining me. I've got Paulette from Fist of Rage here with me. <laughs> Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you for inviting me. Yes. Thank you for agreeing to do this. And thank you, Jason, for not being able to be here with us. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got you joining us, and our guest this week is going to be Donnie V. Yes. The original vocalist of Enough's Enough. <laughs> we've got that interview with him coming up. But first, we need to let you know who sponsors this podcast, and that would be DEB Concerts. A promoter based right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They've brought a ton of great bands to the downtown Tulsa area at both the Ideal Ballroom and the BOK Center. They also book the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma every year. Coming up December 12th, Lita Ford will be returning to the Ideal Ballroom. This time she'll be acoustic. She'll be playing the show with Patrick Kennison. They'll be playing all the Lita Ford hits acoustically, so that'll be a unique experience for you to get out there and check out. The show will be opened by Palandria, who will also be performing acoustic. Socially distanced show there at the IDL Ballroom. Eddie Trunk will be hosting that show, so you can get out there and meet him as well. Ticket info for that is at debconcerts.com, and also they just announced this past week that downtown Tulsa, they didn't say exactly where, but they said outside the doors of the Ideal Ballroom, which would be similar to where Streets Gone Wild was held a few years ago. They'll be putting on an outdoor show this April 12th. It'll be headlined by Queensryche, along with Lita Ford on that one as well, Nita Strauss, and the Bullet Boys. Great lineup there. When tickets go on sale, You'll see that info right there at debconcerts.com. Follow them on Facebook, and of course, we'll let you know as well. Huge thank you to DEB Concerts. MedFarm is a dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, at 24683 East Highway 51. They're right off the highway. You can't miss them. They've got a drive through so if you call ahead or text ahead even, they'll place your order. They'll have it ready for you right when you pull up. It makes it that simple. You can see their entire selection at leafly.com. They're always running specials on their Facebook and their Instagram. So follow them on there so you don't miss any of that. That's at MedFarmOK. That's P-H-A-R-M. Their website's MedFarmOK.com. And they're always running a special, which is if you mention Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your first order, which is a very good good reason to go there. But an even better reason is that 30% of their proceeds go to build no-kill animal shelters. That means nearly a third of their profit is going to build no-kill animal shelters. And I can promise you there's not another dispensary in this area doing that. So if you're in the Tulsa area, come over and support Med Farm. And of course, tell them Thin Underground sent you. Sunset Tattoo is a tattoo shop also in Tulsa in the Midtown area. They've got over 25 years of experience. Their tattoos are done good and proper. They're state licensed, and above all else, they are mother approved. Jake and his crew do some amazing work. You can see all the photos at Instagram, at Sunset Tattoo Tulsa, and on Facebook at Sunset Tattoo Tulsa as well. Give him a call, shoot him a message so you can schedule a time to get over there and talk about what work you want to have done. It's a great shop run by great people, so get over there and tell them Thunder Underground sent you. And finally, we've got Hella Hot Hot Sauce, which is a hot sauce company based out of the San Francisco Bay Area in California. They make small batch artisan hot sauces. You can see their entire selection at hellahothotsauce.com. They've also got collaborations that they've done with some artists, including a couple artists that have been on this podcast. Ghoul has a hot sauce called Brain Jerk. And Florida Frank from Hatebreed has a sauce called Florida Frank's Florida Heat. That's a great one. We've got some here ourselves. We love it. So get on Facebook or Instagram at Hella Hot Hot Sauce. Give them a follow there. Check out the website. Pick up some of this for yourself. If you're on the West Coast, you can find them in stores out there. But if you're anywhere else, get online. 
and pick you up some of this stuff. If you like your hot sauce with a lot of flavor, you will love this stuff, I promise. What do you want to talk about first? You want to talk about Fist of Rage? Well, of course, I always want to talk yeah. about Fist of Rage. <laughs> Actually, we've been in the studio for quite some time now working on this next upcoming album that's featuring Brax on vocals. And we're we're so close, Trent. We've got about three or four more songs we've got to polish up, and then we should be able to put this baby out come 2021. Nice. So excited. And you know we yeah. cut that one single with Ripper. Yeah. That's been the highlight of our single release for 2020. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you've got... That came out this year, and then you had the track with Brax that came out last year, right? Right. Are well, both those tracks going to be on this album? They both are on the album, mm -hmm. along with several. I think we've got eight or nine songs we're adding with those two, so we should have 10 or 11 songs on the album. We've got several more that could go on, but I think we're holding those off for the following album. <laughs> it takes so long to get this done. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness. I'm constantly well, like, hey, studio time <laughs> this week. All right. What did the whole pandemic of 2020 like slow down your guys' recording process or no? Mm -hmm. It did because our producer was, they were expecting, him and his wife were expecting a baby. So they kind of, you know, blocked everybody from coming around for quite some time. But they just had their baby a few months ago. So I think we're back in business. Yeah. Uh, okay. COVID slowed everything down. We've only had two shows, you know, since. February when we played with Buck Cherry. That was our big show for the year. Wow. Is that, <laughs> does that feel weird? Yes. It's, like, is this the longest you went it's, without a yeah, show? As yes. long as you can remember, at least? <laughs> <laughs> or since you started playing, probably? Yes. It yeah. has been the longest stretch of time. I mean, even when we were going through times when we didn't have a, a full-time drummer, we were using temps, we still played out all the time, you know? So yeah. this is feel like my hands have been tied against my will <laughs> and it's not fun <laughs> <laughs> well how did the whole you know you guys got like you said tim owens on the rage of judas like how was that whole process and like working with him and everything well i you know from what from all of the emails that we corresponded with of course brennan did most of that it was pretty exciting we didn't get to meet him face to face we haven't yet uh, he worked with us, you know, via the tracks being sent over to him and just corresponding. I have to give it up to Vernon. You know, I pat myself on the back all the time for all the promotions and the marketing that I do for our band and the shows we've gotten. But Vernon pulled this one out of the hat. He reached out to Tim and got him to agree to, you know, he took a listen to the song and said he wanted to be a part of it, which... You know, I'm just like, yep, all those years, and you do that one thing. That's <laughs> <Right>. awesome. <laughs> and that's, uh, Judas Priest was one of Vernon's favorite bands. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. 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 That's it. This is, you know, this is a pretty big deal for all of us. We are pretty stoked and honored to be on it. And, you know, when Tim heard the song, when it was fully, um, when it was fully mastered, he, he reached back out and said that next time he does a song with us, he wants to do the growls too. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> He's already thinking about it next time. Yeah. So is Brax like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know if we told Brax that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, hopefully he doesn't well, listen to this. Thing, no. <laughs> hey Brax, so, you better start to growl it. <laughs> Keep your job. No. <laughs> so the plan is, Hopefully next year sometime. Yeah. Having I, everything out of me. I, I would like to go ahead and say that we're going to be ready by spring. I don't think that that's far-fetched. You know, yeah. late, late spring, if anything. And if we're not ready by then, I'm sure I'm going to have to hold out my hand and get it slapped for saying that. But <laughs> right. I will take that. We want to put this album out. We're ready. Yeah. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, because it's been now what? Two Probably years. three years, two years, two years. We got Braxton and Josh in 2018. We cut the last time in 2019, and then this song recently. Right. Going on, yeah, 2021. It'll be three years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird because I mean, we sat down and talked to you guys when the last time came out, and it yeah. doesn't seem like three years ago. But... No. <laughs> no. That's where the infamous uh, voice clip of you came from that I have not even mentioned, and I won't. You know, I see that all the time. I see people just kind of throw that word out there and it cracks me up because I'm like, I don't even know if they know. Right. <laughs> Moist.
Should I, I'll put it in right you here. You should tell yeah. okay. right there. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, have you been listening to anything new this year? Or? So, you know, this is where I know like Jason Carroll's going to frown and shake his head and, <laughs> and probably Kevin Graham and all those other metalheads, probably you. The revivalists have really gotten my attention for the last couple of years. I'm okay. really hooked on everything they're doing. And I've also gotten into some real hillbilly, um, bluegrassy, folky music. That's cool. Which, like the Dead South, have you heard of them? Yes. I love them. Yeah. <laughs> They're so great. Yeah, I listened to one of their albums a while back and loved it, and yeah. I need to dig into more. Yeah. So that's kind of yeah. where I've been going down the road. And, of course, I've been bringing back some of my old punk roots and blasting some you know, distillers and always play me first in the gimme gimmies. They're like my favorite. I'm not into cover bands, but they're my favorite cover band. Does yeah. that make any sense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those guys are great. Yeah. I don't. Have they done anything recently? No. I didn't no. think so. Yeah. Well, enough's enough. Ah, yay. Yeah. We've got Donnie V here, and do you want to talk about Rocklahoma? I do. <laughs> That's actually the last time I believe that I saw Enough's Enough. You know, yeah. I'd seen him in the 90s a couple times, but, and he, I don't believe he was singing at that. Right. That Rocklahoma, which was right. 2007, the first Rocklahoma. Yes. yes. But. It's hot as hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. That was back when it was in July. July mm-hmm. for the first three years. And it was just like mm-hmm. those shows that happened between like noon and four, five p.m. are like brutal. Insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I remember the first year they had that oil wrestling um, <laughs> yeah. pit. Do you remember that? Yeah. I don't remember it being back there about, the yeah. second or third year, but I know it was there the first year. That was a lot of fun. Twisted Sister did Christmas in July that year. Right. And closed it out that Sunday. And enough's enough. Like they were the first band to sell out of like all their t-shirts. They'd made a t-shirt with a pot leaf on it. Said I got high at Rocklahoma. Oh, really? Enough's enough. And yeah, we had went to check the booth and they had sold completely out. Wow. Yeah, that'd be cool to get a hold of nowadays. I guess I should backtrack a little bit on that. So 2007 (laughs) was, I was going through a divorce of 17 years with the man I was with. You're going to have to edit this. (laughs) <laughs> somewhere so i find myself going to rocklahoma not knowing what it's about just knowing that there's a music festival and this is my first time in many years to go do something but i'm alone and i don't know if i should do it or not and i didn't have a ticket and survivor was that weekend also survivor auditions here oh. in tulsa so i had decided that i would go to the survivor auditions and then maybe drive to to the camp, you know, to the grounds to see the festival and maybe see if I could find a ticket. And I'm sitting through this survivor audition waiting my turn. And I've done talked myself out of it because, you know, I don't really have that much cash on me. I don't have anyone with me. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going, what I'm going to do when I get there. And this chick is sitting next to me and she's like, she's like, hey, what number are you? And I'm like, excuse me. And she's like, what number are you? And I'll listen for your number. Cause I want you to read something. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I tell her what number I am for the audition. And she's like, okay, what animal did you see today on your way here? It's what? such a random, strange conversation trip. And I'm like, I didn't see any animals. It was early <laughs> in the morning when I got up and left and came <laughs> here. She was like, you saw something. What did you see? Well, you know, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think back you know what did i see when i came out the door to my truck and there was a giant luna moth on my windshield that morning i didn't think that counted as an animal but i was like well there was this luna moth on my windshield that i had to take off because i didn't want to hurt it and she's like oh that's perfect so she looks excitedly looks up this chapter in this book and the book was about your spirit animal okay and the representation so she looks up the chapter about like moths and butterflies and it says that I should let go of my baggage and spread my wings and fly. So <laughs> based on how random that was, yeah. I was like, okay, this is a sign that I should go to Rocklahoma. Right. Oh, my God. I get there. <laughs> and I'm sitting in the parking lot. First of all, they tried to charge me to park. And again, I was on a fixed income. I had about 50 bucks. <laughs> and I'm like, if I give you $5 to park, I'm only going to have $45 left. You know, I don't know how much it's going to cost to scalp a ticket, but I don't think I'm going to get in. <laughs> right. 
And they're like, well, whether you park or not, you got to pay it. And I'm like, well, there goes $5. And I sat in my truck for like 15, 20 minutes trying to decide if I was going to go through. To, and then I finally decided to at least walk to the gate to see if I could find a scalper. And as I'm getting to the gate, there's this dude selling tickets. He didn't have one ticket, though, but he told me if I'd stand around with him for a while that he'd probably get a ticket to sell. So I watched the ins and outs of how to scalp tickets that day. I learned that many people would rather eat their ticket than try to admit that they got stood up to get rid of one ticket. So a lot of people will eat them going through the gate. And so here this little dude was out there, you know, hollering that he was buying tickets off of people. Uh, and, and he had tickets for sale. And so people were coming up with their one tickets and selling them. And he'd get a couple and make a package out of them and turn around and sell them to a couple people needing tickets. I mean, <laughs> what a business, right? Yeah. <laughs> so like about 15 minutes of standing there, he's like, he's like, all right. I said, you know, at this point, we're kind of friends. You should just, you know, walk me in and then let me go. And uh, he's like, well, how about I put this pass around your neck and you give me $25 and I walk you in and then you give me the pass back. It was an all access pass. (laughs) And I'm like, look, if I give you $25, all I'm going to have is 20 bucks left. And as soon as you take that pass and walk out, I've got no proof that I belong in there. (laughs) I'm screwed. (laughs) Well, so we compromised and he walked, he said, okay, how about I walk you in and get you seated? And then, um, I got to go back to work. And if I, if you're still here, when I get done working, you know, we'll go hang out and run around. And I was like, deal. So we walked all around, went all backstage, went everywhere, the clubhouse, we went everywhere. It was amazing. I met a lot of people just in the first 30 minutes of getting in the gates. And then he took me out to the VIP area and he was like, okay, you know, I got to go back up front. But if you're still here when I come back, we'll hang out. Mm. I watched several bands and I didn't have a wristband. I didn't have a pass. I had to pee. I was like, (laughs) oh my God, he's not coming back. You know, this is it. That's all she wrote. I've seen enough of this show. It's been great. (laughs) I got to go find a bathroom. And then finally throwing in the towel was getting up to go to the bathroom. And here he comes walking. I mean, and it's been hours. (laughs) (laughs) Here he comes right towards me. And I'm like, you really came back. And he's like, well, you're still here. (laughs) So that was the beginning of my weekend. Turns out he was scalping tickets for nuts enough. They had gotten (laughs) like, from what I remember them saying, now this has been... 13 years, you know, so it seems like he said that they'd gotten 50 plus extra tickets for that show. So they were out there scalping them, I guess. That's that's funny, but it's, you know, when you're in a band, you know, and you got to make extra cash, why not? (laughs) Yeah. So he takes me back and he's like, yeah, I'm actually working for this band. He's like, well, technically I'm working for the management of this band. And so I'm like, okay. So we go back and he's like, do you want to meet them? And I'm like, yeah. So we go back there and he introduces me, he introduces me to their road manager, which was Ryan Johnson, I think is his name. And this guy was a cool cat. Um, and then I met Bill Long, who was playing guitar, I think, for us enough that weekend. He was a nice guy. And, and then I showed you that picture and we decided that was Chip, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And they, I think they had me confused for some female musician that either looks a lot like me or has my name or has both resembles me and has my name and is a musician. Cause they, as they were introducing me to the guys, they're talking to me. Like we just hung out last weekend and ha, ah, it's good to see you again. Didn't know you were going to be here. And I'm just <laughs> going along with it. Like, yep. <laughs> Let's go. We got on those golf carts, rode all around. <laughs> I had a great weekend. Yeah. Um, I slept in my truck the whole weekend. I could have stayed in there with them, but, you know, not knowing what the hell I was doing and first time out in many years, I felt safest in my truck. But yeah. I can't, you know, I was able to go get my truck and pull it up next to their RV and hang out with them. I got to go on the RV with Skid Row. Probably need to edit this out. Yeah, I'll edit that out for you. Yeah, too. thanks. <laughs> <laughs> But that's really a good, <laughs> it really happened. Yeah. But enough's enough, man. That whole career took me in. I told him that I had, you know, again, I'd been married for 17 years. And the guy that I had been married to, you know, from the time I was 16 till I was in my 30s, he was just a 
overall a bad guy. So this was kind of me stepping out into the world for the first time on my own. And so when I told them my story and how I got there and everything that had transpired that morning, I mean, they took me under their wing and just treated me like a queen the whole fucking weekend. It was badass. That's awesome. Yeah. Because you hear so many, like, negative stories about yeah, yeah, situations like that. So it's cool yes. to yeah. Yes. I had a lot of bragging rights when I came back. A, I didn't have to go out there and act like a damn groupie. I didn't have to do any of that, you know, and I, yeah. and I probably had one of the best times of anyone out there. <laughs> and it cost me not $5. <laughs> not even that extra 25 Yeah, no. And man, and like, uh, you know, I got to hang out with so many cool people. That was my, that was it for me. I stepped on the side stage there and watched all those bands play and get to bump elbows with them on the side. And I was like, this is it. Like, I never want to leave this world. <laughs> I want to always be a part of this. <laughs> and you got that awesome picture of Jenny Lang. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wish I could go back and do that again. Yeah. And besides just that whole experience, those first, you know, two or three Rocklahomas, just the energy and the vibe. Just felt so, not was, just nostalgic, it was just like it felt mm -hmm. just way different than it does now. You know? Yeah, this is true. Well, the second year was when that big old tornado came through, right? Yeah. And everything was kind of, that was the only year of Rocklahoma that I missed. I've oh, been really? every single one of them except for that one. Well, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay I missed that one. Yeah. And uh, these other ones that have rained out have made up for it <laughs> <laughs> right plenty enough and now they're moving rocklahoma to labor day weekend yeah i think they're gonna but, get the same results yeah but my my guess is that's just a one-year thing you think yeah because mm. covid stuff's not gonna be happening next may anyway i don't think as mm. far as festivals go so that i mean my guess is if they if it does happen in september then 2022 would go back to memorial day i bet right i could be wrong but it's huh. just the Impression I get. I guess they'll see how it goes. Yeah. I mean, it could be a changer. Yeah. Never know. And I know that, uh, you know, one of your guys' sponsors is DB. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're doing that Streets Gone Wild in April. That's yeah. going to be exciting. Yeah. Yeah, they announced that just this past week. Yeah. With Lita Ford, Queensryche, and uh, Bullet Boys, and Nita Strauss. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Is this bad if I ask who she is? No. <laughs> she is Alice Cooper's guitar. Oh, okay. Okay. She used to be in Iron Maidens. Okay. Before that. Okay. And she has, now she has solo music as well, so I'm sure that's what she's doing on okay. her own. Okay. But... Sorry, guys. <laughs> but I didn't know who she was. <laughs> that's all good. <laughs> I'm glad well, that you called me to come and talk for 15 minutes without you getting a word in edgewise. That was great. <laughs> well, no, that's the point of having someone on just to hear what they have to say because we've been doing this for five and a half years. Everybody knows what oh. you or Jason think about most stuff, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I guess jumping into the main part of this is Donnie V has new music out. Well, he's got a new single called Party Time and then he had a song come out earlier this year. He's working on a video for Party Time and we talked about all that. So, yeah. Yeah. D do you like it? It's good stuff. Good. Yeah. So we should be seeing like maybe a come back this year this coming year from the from him on the road or anything yeah i don't know he hasn't he hasn't really played many shows in the past i think he talked we recorded this over a month ago now okay because we're so like stacked on we've got like 11 interviews we haven't released wow. <laughs> and i remember he said i think he hasn't he's only done a few shows in the past like six years just like spot shows here or there yeah i think that's the idea of once touring becomes a thing again <laughs> that would be fun yeah cool well let's get into this here's donnie v all right Party time that's supposed to be out here in a couple weeks. 
I mean, the, the title seems kind of obvious, but what can fans expect from this track? Uh, well, <clears throat> start off by saying I'm shooting the video this week. Um, big, big budget video, like the first time since, like, right by your side and shit. And uh, it's, it's going to be very cool, very interesting and uh, entertaining. Um, actually, my former partner is actually uh, in the performance with me. My bass player got sick and he got me ill and uh, decided to call somebody, so I figured I'd just call Chip. <laughs> so he's going to be in the in the video. So hopefully he won't take ever, take over everything. <laughs> but uh, the single, it's a song that I've kind of been trying to write my whole uh, my whole career. You know, like uh, just that, that one simple straight ahead you know uh we will rock you type thing you know what i mean uh, but still uh but still have the same integrity and or the you know the style and of what i you know the other 20 albums that i've written and done you know so i finally uh it just came to me and um recorded it and really happy with it and sounds you know it's uh everybody has heard it i'll send it to you guys when you get off the phone you can don't play it, but you know, let me know what you think. Everybody seems to think that this is a, this is, you know, you know what I'm talking about. I can't, I shudder to say the word hit, but right. it will be, but, but you know what I mean? It's going to have a big, big video. It's going to be very entertaining and the song's really good. And, uh, we'll just see what happens. I don't know if it'll be a couple of weeks. Cause I, I just, uh, fought out of my label that I was with, with the beautiful things record. And, this single was, I didn't do a contract with them, but I was going to release this single on that label too. And then the last single that's on the flip side is just a 45 record, you know, vinyl. And the, the last single that they released at the beginning of the pandemic is almost as if it didn't, I forgot that it even existed. That's how little uh, help that I got with that. So I bought out this chip and I just did a, a nice deal with, with a record label where they bought, you know, they licensed our whole catalog, an up and up catalog under one roof, and uh, which is great. And I'm doing solo, bringing my solo catalog over there as well next. And um, so, you know, I had to had to get out of there. I took some of the money and went around and bought all my records back from all these shitty labels, <laughs> and uh, got I own all my stuff again. And we're looking at a at a nice publishing deal in the near future just got to get some things sorted out but um yeah i, I think it'd probably be a good thing to own this one <laughs> definitely definitely well going back to when you just said this is kind of the song you've been trying to write all your life uh did it, did it come to you real quickly or or is it something you've been banging out for a while they all do they all come to me when they come it's uh you know it's like i almost i've said it before i almost don't even feel like I could take credit for a lot of the stuff. It's just, it's like the ideas, the way they're presented to me and the way they come are, I can almost hear how, I can almost hear the song like it's being played for me. Well, most of them. And, um, you know, there's, if you go to sit down, all right, let's sit down and write a song that never works. You know, they're never, there's, there's some peppered in through the catalog, but those weren't, uh, you know, the really good ones. They, they just come and they, and the song tells me what it wants to be. And I just, uh, you know, I do my best to not fuck it up, <laughs> you know? So yeah, they come, came really quick. Well, this one actually, I, I tried a couple other things with it and it didn't work. I knew the chorus worked, but other stuff, the verses and stuff. And then just one day at, uh, something came in and I said, Oh my God, this is perfect for, uh, for party time. And, um, and it, and it just it put together really well. And it, it needed that. When you say you, you hear the songs like that before you write them, is it usually like a melody you hear, or do you hear words as well, or lyrics, something you write after you have the song? I might hear a couple lyrics, enough to kind of uh, to get a, a jump on where it, where it, uh, what it could be about, you know, and um, like the hook. Uh, it basically like the hook of the song, or sometimes it could be the, the verse part, you know what I mean? And I've I have to fill in the blanks, you know, but it'll usually be uh, the the really catchy part of the song. That's what hooks me. That's what makes me get to work on it. You know what I mean? When something like when I hear it in, in my head, I'm like, oh, that's really fucking cool. 
you know, because I have to like the stuff to release anything. And I always have, you know, I've been a been a fan of the stuff that I do just because uh, I hold really high standards when it comes to to, uh, you know, putting stuff out is try to uh, make sure that I keep evolving and, and keep improving. And, um, and at 20 records, you know, beautiful things. My last record is, is the best thing I've ever done. So, you know, I've kept going doing this all the way for like 20 records. And it's, you know, it's, it's blowing my mind how it's like, I'm starting to want to look and see what's the Guinness book, Guinness book record, you know, it's like who, who can put the keeps, uh, getting better records and better and better and better at, you know, I'm an old man. <laughs> I saw, like you mentioned, you're filming the party time video this weekend. I saw that you put a call out for fans to come on as extras. Like what, what's the idea behind the video going to be? Um, I can't give a lot of it away, but there is a scene. Um, and it, it started out as it, it, it didn't start out to be what it was going to be, what it's going to be. It started out to be, uh, just, uh, try to make, a you know, with, with, a, with a, you know, as minimal amount of money, try to make a video at least to go with the song because this, the song needs a video. It's, it's, it's strong and, and it's got potential. And, uh, and so then when, yeah, I did reach out and put it out there that use some fans to uh, send in clips and stuff like that. But um, as it turned out, an old friend uh, from a long time ago uh, reached out to me and he has been, He's gone from one business to uh, currently making movies, like real movies and stuff, working with like Michael Madsen and, and working on Tarantino stuff and shit like that. And he's, you know, he was a great friend and he's, he's like, Hey man, you know, I've been always wanting to do this with you. And four years ago, so let's, uh, I said, well, listen to this song. And he listened and he goes, all right, let's, let's, let's roll on this. And then we started putting it together and one thing after another. And before you know it, it's, I can't believe it. I mean, I'm, I'm already 10 grand in the, in the, out of my pocket into this thing with just, just, uh, you know, this and that various things, lights and stage and shit like that. But, but, uh, stuff that he's bringing to the picture is, is, uh, huge. And, um, like there's a scene though towards the end where, uh, it's a big party scene because obviously it was the name of the song and I needed, needed people to make, you know, big, big party and with the COVID and stuff, I didn't think that'd be possible, but, uh, a, a pretty heavyweight DJ, um, I guess man cow. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He's, um, he's, uh, he's been, he's going to be in it and he's promoted it, promoting it for, you know, for extras and stuff. And, uh, so I figure I have a good chance to get at least 20, 30 people, you know, the decent looking chicks and stuff like that, that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll We'll abide by all the COVID rules and everything, but um, yeah, that's you know, if I would have just done it with locals and stuff like that, it wouldn't have the effect of of you know people actually sending in headshots and auditioning and stuff for it, which is which is you know really cool. It's really great. So, um, any I haven't looked over the clips that the fans have sent in yet, but I just don't see much much room left to do that. So I'm going to save all of those for something else. Not just going to throw them away. I'm just saving for something else. So I always have been this new thing that I've been doing is including the fans and everything I do, like the record cover that I did and interacting with them a lot. And, uh, you know, it's really great, beautiful thing working with, uh, you know, with the fans being involved and they, they get more supportive and behind things. And, and then, you know, everything in the end of the day, all of everything I do and my purpose and everything is for them. Well, you've mentioned beautiful things a few times, and you've had a couple singles this year as well as Party Time coming. Are these singles this year like all one-off singles, or are they kind of leading towards another album in the future? That's uh, something that remains to be seen with this new label. Um, like the label I was, I released Beautiful Things with, it started out, I, I came back, you know, I hadn't done anything for a bunch of years. So I had to get my health back together. I had to get clean. I had to get... I just have lost my, lost my spirit and lost everything about me that, that does what I do. And, uh, just, it just, I just bottomed out so badly and I had to get it back together. I went through a long couple year program and stuff and got healthy. And, um, 
came back and decided, all of a sudden they, that record came to me, those ideas after, after nothing, no ideas at all for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden that one after another, the song started coming to me. So I decided to go with pledge music to make the record and, and did the pledge and, and doubled the, the goal. And so we were in good shape, but then, um, you know, midway through the record pledge just up and disappeared and whoever was in charge, it took all the fans money, took all our money, everybody's money and split and just dissolved. And, and, um, even all the bands and everybody that was doing pledge and, uh, left me holding the bag. So not only did we have to take loans and this and that to finish all the expenses on the record, cause that's, you know, three months making a record is heavy duty expenses. And then I wanted to honor the, the, the pledge too. You know, because all these fans had, had paid their money and stuff to support and and make get it made and shit. And so, you know, most of the bands and artists they got fucked, and so the fans got fucked. But I, I really uh, did everything I could to make sure. So I took that deal just to get those uh, CDs and stuff at cheap enough cost and a part of the deal, so that I could get them with everything that that was promised to the fans and. Um, I don't know if I answered your question or not. Oh yeah, they're about making a record. Well, yeah. yeah, I said you know it's very very expensive, and it doesn't wouldn't make sense at that label. It's just you know I was like, no, this this doesn't it's not feasible. That was a big nightmare and a big expense and stuff. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to go with singles for now. We'll see what happens if a single t- catches on or something like that. You know, then then we'll think about making a record. But this new label, they've got money, and they seem to be very interested. And, uh, you know, they love, love what I do and love what the band Nuff Enough has done. And, and uh, it's very possible they could, they could put up a budget to make a, a full record. And I've got the material. So, so did anything, the people behind Pledge ever, ever get caught or, or have to atone for any of this? I have no, no clue. I wish I could catch them. Wow. Yeah, I don't even know I, I who bet. to look, look for, you know? Yeah, I mean... A lot of guys that they even showed their face. I mean, you know, these are artists. A lot of artists are troubled, crazy people. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I hope that they're, I hope they're tucked away somewhere safely in uh, like North Korea or somewhere where you never find them right. or get to them. But that's a lot of money that they took off and disappeared with, and they just claimed uh, that the, the company went under. But the whole company revolved around and was based upon uh, basically they were just a, a middleman. You know, for uh, for fans buying your record in advance, that that would pay for you to make your record, and so they're just to take a take a commission for uh, being the middleman on that. You know, and so they had no business doing what they did. They did that was uh, that was just basically, you know. I mean, those guys. I hope I hope really terrible things happen to those guys, and I don't really wish that on anybody. Right, right. But uh, I'm. I'm sure it'll go around. What comes around goes around. And, you know, but they did fuck a lot of people. They fucked every artist, fans, you know, a lot of bigger names have been do- was doing that pledge there at, at this point, you know, because the major label thing has all changed. It's a whole different scene, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, classic rock and, and stuff, you know, that, that's not, you know, what you see on, uh, I would, I don't know if you call it MTV or whatever, you know, or whatever radio is left. It's uh, it's not has nothing to do with anything that that I know or most of my the artists that I know and and or like, and so the the best recourse was to go with the pledge thing, and um, and everybody did really well with that. You know, like Paul Gilbert and and uh, Roger Manning that that was in Jellyfish. He's on my record, and and a bunch of artists that I know that, that went that way, and and uh, they did well with it. And then all of a sudden, uh, they all got fucked too. And, you know, like, you got a guy like Paul Gilbert, and he sells, a, he sells a lot more than, you know, like Japan and stuff. He's got a huge thing, and he's one of those guitar gods. And so that's got to, that had to have been a pretty penny there that they just got right from him alone, you know. Being the artist, you know, still a lot of fans don't understand the whole politics of that. And so you're kind of, for a while there, you're sort of left accountable. You know, they're still looking at you. Like, hey, where's our shit? You know, you... We paid our money. Where's our shit? And you know, I, and I went and explained it a million times on Facebook and social media. I said, you know, hey, I've, I've, your shit. We not o- not only did I have to buy it, but we got to track down and get the mailing list and the pledge list and and actually 
package these fucking CDs and, and mail them to you, which was took my whole family and a bunch of friends, you know, thousands of CDs. Mailing them. I said, I'm sorry that this one didn't find your cornfield yet, bro. bro <laughs> but, you know what I mean? Chill out. Chill out. It'll get there. And, and um, you know, and eventually that we stopped hearing people complaining and, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't think about all the the info there as far as addresses go being lost as well. But can you mention? The, oh my god! Can you mention the label that you're working with now, or that was handling the Nuff's Enough stuff? Uh, the one that I that, that just bought up the Nuff's Enough stuff, and that, that I'm um, yeah. in the process of doing a yeah, it's called Cleopatra. Okay. Yeah, they. I remember when they started. They started around when we first came out, and uh, Brian over there, he was. Uh, you know, just was a really smart guy and started out with a little label. And now he's, uh, you know, he's almost a quarter billion, quarter billion dollars label now. You know, that's quite a bit for these days. Well, you recently returned to Enough's Enough for at least one track for Strangers in My Head on their new album. Like, how did that whole process yeah. come about? Well, I don't know if you know anything or follow anything that I've done, but I, a lot of... Uh, really crazy shit went, you know, and I was pretty, feeling pretty violated with, uh, you know, I, I call it diet enough's enough. <laughs> you know, the, the new brand, it's like, looks the same, it's looking the same rubber, but it's, uh, no, no sugar. Right. But, but in any case, uh, there was some, some things that were, I considered pretty immoral and unethical that, that, uh, that went, that, you know, were happening and going down and, and the ends have to justify the means with, you know, you know what attorneys cost and stuff like that. And so I went on a pretty uh, heavy tirade just if I can't, you know, if I can't do nothing about this, I'm at least going to let every, the fans know what they're, they're talking about when they're always coming at me. And, you know, you need to just, just quit whining and get back together with them and this and that. And so you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Why don't you go get back together with your ex-wife? I thought you made a cute couple, you know? <laughs> and so, so, uh, and then with the COVID came and, and also that catalog deal came, we, uh, we had to talk. He called me and we started talking and like all of the, all of the bad blood and everything didn't, you know, the conversation of course didn't start with that. Cause this is a, this was my brother for, you know, 30 years that, that we, you know, we made it together. All the, the great things we ever done in both of our lives and some of the worst, uh, were together, you know, and a lot of times and it was a crazy ride. It was, crazy fucking characters and um you know we started talking and laughing and you know it's just you know without the business and then the business parts would come and this and that and i just had to you know get into it with them we just started getting a little heated and i was like what is your fucking agenda man you know who are you doing this for is uh do you, do you think the fans are uh you know they calling this enough's enough i couldn't believe you'd do that in the first place without the singer and the songwriter you know what I mean, after that body of work there was to go and, um, you know, do that. And, uh, you know, and it's just, we just, it's something that he wants to do. I understand that, you know, it uh, doesn't make that big of a difference with Enough's Enough with who's singing anymore with uh, the kind of tours and shows that he's doing. You know, they're on those cock rock conglomeration things and just playing little shows for, you know, a grand for, for uh, 50 people here and there. I won't do that. You know what I mean? And um, that's what he likes to do. And I have no problem with that. It was, there was some other things of, you know, going and trademarking and owning the name and everything where legally I can't have anything. You can make all the decisions, what happens with the, the name of the band and the and releasing records and what happens with the catalog and everything. So that's how the fuck did you do that? You know what I mean? And, and then some of the, the songs that, that I'd written, we're starting to, people are sending me little things that are appearing in these bad B movies and shit. And so I'm like, what the fuck, you know? So we started talking and, and, uh, it just basically came down to, well, if you're releasing another record, I think at least, you know, I think the fans at least would love to hear at least one song, you know, one song from the, with the, the chemistry that they're familiar with and that they loved and supported all those years. And, and he agreed, and so I had one that uh, that was a little heavier than what I was, you know, currently the direction that I'm really looking. And uh, so I sent that to him. He played on it, sent it out to uh, my uh, the drummer buddy that 
mixes and stuff like that. He played drums on it, and and we got it on the record. And um, you know, it, and it, it, exactly what I thought would happen did happen. You know, people people really loved that one. Yeah, this next question is kind of. I'm going to say this is very loosely, but there's times on the album where I think Chip's vo- voice in the cor- a couple choruses on songs you're not on sounds similar to you. Do you think that that's similarity in the voices or just him doing that intentionally? Well, of course he's trying to sound like me. <laughs> I'm one of his favorite singers. and he's, <laughs> right. we, both have, we both have the same influences, you know. Right. We both grew up loving the same stuff, so... You know, he's always been a, he was always a singer, but you know, if you got it, if you look at it in comparison, when you're comparing the two, that's where, where he runs, he falls short. Now, if he was just doing something on, you know, not calling it enough's enough and, and not having the comparison and now just being, you know, uh, presenting on his own, you know, his own merits and his own efforts and everything that I think people would embrace it a lot more, but you know, he's, uh, he, he learned something in 30 years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Changing it up a little bit. We put out a call, got a couple questions from some friends of ours and the singer for the band down for five psych asked if you could ask one question to John Lennon, what would it have been? Hmm. Hmm. I don't, uh, probably, uh, I don't know. That's a, that's a tough one. Um, I don't know. That's a really tough question. You know, there's a, there's not a whole lot that, I don't know, maybe, uh, where, where did you get your cocaine? <laughs> Cause I know you got the good stuff where, who did, who got your cocaine? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, but I don't do that shit anymore. I've done it in ages. I'm about five years going on six years clean though. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. After maybe, 45 maybe years the answers, dirty as hell. <laughs> maybe the answers will just be in his music, you know? <laughs> and who's me, John? Yeah. Well, there hasn't been a hell of a lot in a while. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but, you know, there was a time there, man, when, like, say, 1965, 66, could you imagine, you know, the end of the, the hair, hair apart on the side without the glasses, like, just getting up and, you know, looking in the mirror and just, you know, with that that voice and all those songs and stuff, it's, he he must have just looked and was like, ha, just started laughing. I'm the baddest ass on the fucking planet, <laughs> and he was, and yep. and he continued to he continued to evolve and grow. But I think you you reach a point when you get so great, where can you go from there? But start to, uh, you know, uh, there was you know he still was amazing, and he still kept doing amazing stuff. But kind of seemed like he was starting to wind down towards the end, you know, and, um, like even with double fantasy, you know, that wasn't, I wouldn't hold that record up, up there with, with, you know, his best stuff. And so he was kind of doing the wind down, you know, he had, he wasn't hungry anymore. He had money. He was happy. He had his wife and his family and, you know, they lose that hunger. You know, I, I'm still scratching and clawing. So I'm hungry as fucking starving to death. <laughs> so I just keep, I keep plugging away, you know, but I can understand that. But, yeah. What you just said kind of plays into the next question, which is from uh, CJ of the band Grind. He said, with so many artists having fizzled out since you guys kind of hit the scene in the 80s, what is it that keeps you going and motivated? Um, it's, uh, I, I recognized pretty quickly that it was my purpose. You know what I mean? And um, I never, my goals and dream was never to be a famous rich rock star mine was uh this was a uh, it was like a purpose it was like a calling and my goals and my dreams was to one day be able to be held in the same regards to somebody else is these the things the things that were affecting me so heavily like to like to, to be that for other people and to be that and to make record something right and record and sing something that that i thought could sit in that level, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, I, as far as, you know, what I've told, I've, uh, achieved that and I'm still going. And, um, it's just, uh, what kept me going was that, you know, and that, that, then after, uh, 
after a while, you know, the, <clears throat> my fans are, they're small, but mighty, the enough enough fans are, they've, you know, they seek you out and find you in the dark corners and shit. And, you know, and, the, and so many people have told me how heavily that uh, the music affected their lives. And, and some even that it saved their, you know, the difference of saving their life or something. You can't put a price tag on that. And that's a, that's a purpose. That's um, you know, how do you, uh, how do you not continue to do that? You know what I mean? How did you walk away and, and let that down? And, and plus, you know, I don't, I don't dig uh, manual labor. I don't uh, like flipping burgers and digging holes and shit like that. And, you know, even when I wasn't making any money, I still, uh, still could survive on charm. <laughs> so, or lack thereof, you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, what else would I do? It's, it's just what it, it runs through my blood. Like, like it's probably there's more, more music in my blood than blood. <laughs> you know, right now when, uh, there's not a lot of performing going on, how are you keeping your voice? Uh, how are you maintaining your voice and keeping it in shape? <laughs> I'll find out. I got to, uh, I got to <laughs> track a song in the next few days and I haven't sang anything in quite a while. And, Right. I, uh, doing all this business and stuff with, you know, we were just getting ready to go out and tour. I hadn't played out live in five, six years. I did like one show, but it was very untogether and rushed because, uh, a lot of things went wrong and, uh, different players didn't, didn't cut the, cut the mustard. I was scrambling, but I couldn't cancel it because it was already sold out like month and a half before the show. And so I had to do it. And like people couldn't even get in when we showed up and did it. And it was, it was, uh, as far as I was concerned, the, the, the performance was a failure, but as far as the fans, they embraced it and loved it and they thought it was great. And all I got to do is basically just show up alive. And I won, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> after, after my lifestyle, but I don't know. I've been, you know, I've changed, I've smoked cigarettes since I was 12, 13 years old. And except for a brief stint in jail, I have never quit. And, <laughs> Smoking one right now. Probably smoke two on this interview alone, and maybe that's the secret. That's probably the secret to my sound, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's always there when I go to you when I need it. It's always there, and and you know you just got you just warm up and and sing through it a couple of times, and then you know uh, and then by the next you know the few times through, and you open up a little bit, and uh, it's always there for me. It hasn't let me down yet. First time I saw you live was whenever you guys were opening for Extreme on the Three Sides to Every Story Tour. Like, when you look back at the 80s and 90s and the heyday of you guys touring, like, what are your favorite experiences or best tour? Oh, my God. There was so many. We played with everybody from, from uh, oh, shit. I think we even played with somebody like Slayer or something one time. They, they could stick us on any bill, and we'd have – we had such a vast variety of, of songs and styles and a lot of stuff that wasn't even on records that, and the players that were in and ups and up like Derek and Chip and myself, you know, we're all very good enough that we can wing it. And we've written songs on stage and shit, but we played with everybody from like the heaviest thing you can imagine all the way to I think one show we played on an aircraft carrier with Debbie Gibson. You know I mean? So we played with everybody and, um, I for, I forgot what the question was. Or just like what might have been your favorite tour? Or <coughs> oh yeah. Band you with? yeah. Well, you know, a lot of the the best the best times, the best tours and stuff were kind of uh, I wasn't uh, stopping to smell the roses and enjoying them. I was you know preoccupied with tomfoolery, right. and so I you know it and uh, so it's it's like what you. In those days, it's like it's like which band partied the hardest, and that would be the the one that I would have enjoyed the most, you know. But we've had, you know, like Jeff Leppard was was really the greatest guys, you know, in a band I really respected. Out with Poison for a summer was was a lot of fun, you know. Um, you know, the Warrant thing. We did some Nelson stuff, but you know, that's those were uh, <laughs> those were crazy. And you know, our first tour was Mr. Big. That was a great tour because they were, what a crazy bill too, you know, because our fans, you know, with, with the, we came out with the glam and they look and all that stupid shit and they were nothing like that. And so you'd see our fans peppered in with theirs, you know, and, and we'd walk onto the finger, 
people giving us the finger and shit, you know, but by the end of the show, once the hair fell down and the makeup sweated off and you just stand there with no shirt on, throw leather pants, kicking fucking ass, we won their fans over. So, you know, we did that in Badlands and we, we played with fucking everybody, you know, and uh, so it's hard to say what's your favorite. It's just, we had a lot of great times, you know. I could think of some that might have been my least favorite, but I'm not going to mention any of that. <laughs> right on, man. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Oh, my pleasure. I'm sorry that I'm such a windbag, you know. I'm kind oh, of fired no. up these days. That's that's what we like. That's what we want. Make sure the best interviews. Hope, hope, <laughs> hope, hope you're not live. No, no we're <laughs> not. It's a... ed- editing time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll probably have to edit this time. You might make this a two, three-parter. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're good, man. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Thank you for thinking of me. Thanks for having me on. And anytime uh, you send me your email and a text, I'll send you that song. You guys let me know what you think of it. There you go, Donnie V, the original vocalist of Enough is Enough. A huge thank you to Michael King for his help with that one. And of course, a big thank you to Donnie for taking some time there to talk to me and Jason about everything he's got going on. And also a massive thank you to Paulette for doing this with me as well. Ooh, thank you for letting me come and do this with you. This is exciting. Yeah. I am always down to come and replace Jason anytime it's needed. <laughs> well, I'll let him know that. <laughs> Every other week now you're out, Paulette's in. No. That's right. <laughs> no. Jason, oh, man. You guys are good guys. Y'all have been doing this, and you got a lot of fans out there, so keep doing it, because everyone loves it. Well, I appreciate that. And we appreciate it, too. You know? You've gotten, you've done interviews with some great people and some great locals, and the fact that you're getting attention from Blabbermouth Magazine and a lot of these other notarized uh, promotional media sources is amazing Trent so just thanks for you know supporting the locals while you go along with the national interviews that you're doing it's great absolutely thank you yeah yeah that means a lot well I mean it sincerely well I think all the locals do (laughs) (laughs) well coming up here in just a few episodes episode 300 will be one of our local bands Severmind all right they've joined us now for every 100 milestone Wow. 100, 200, and now 300. Wow. <laughs> Goodness. But if you're listening to this because you're a fan of Enough's Enough, we've got a lot of previous interviews with tons of guys from that genre of music, like we've had on Frank Hannon of Tesla, mm-hmm. Vivian Campbell of Def Leppard, guys mm-hmm. from Warren, Firehouse, Trickster, Bullet Boys, Great White, Lillian Axe. Junkyard, L.A. Guns. Your list just goes on yeah. and on. <laughs> it's amazing. Stuff that I forget. There's yeah. been 295 episodes before this, so Goodness. we seem to forget some of them. I, I say that all the time, like we repeat the same ones every time, it seems like, because it just gets stuck in our head. Yeah. And then I look back and I'm like, hold it, I don't mention, half the time I don't mention Kiss or <laughs> Guns yeah. N' Roses, like these huge bands yeah. that we had a member of, but... I guess that's a bad, I mean, a good place to be in. So That's, yeah, you really can't complain about that. <laughs> yeah. So you can check everything out on pretty much anywhere. You can listen to podcasts. You can also do it on our website, beatthunderunderground.com. All our socials are on there. Click on all of them and follow them and like them while you're doing that. Also, follow Fist of Rage on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Yes, yes. What's your... uh Twitter and Instagram handles. Our Instagram ha- handle is Fistabridge918, and I believe Twitter is the same thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Surely you can find it now. And we are not yet on this new um, whatever media source they have now. I've seen people talking about it all day. Oh, Parlor or something Parlor. like that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm clueless to it. I am very clueless right now. Yeah. I don't know if it's something that will, yeah, has... Is a good platform for music or not. If it is, maybe we'll check it out. Right. We'll see. Who knows? Yeah. 2021. <laughs> right. Gotta be better. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Follow us on YouTube as well, at the Thunder Underground. Subscribe there. Got a lot of reviews that are separate from this podcast. We've got interviews coming up with members of Devil Driver, Helmet, Tyler Bryan, The Shakedown, Mitch Perry, um, Dark Tranquility. The long list, there's like eight or ten unreleased interviews coming up. 
Moist. That's a good moment for a clip insert right there because that's badass. (laughs) (laughs) A clip insert of like saying moist or what? Okay. (laughs) I gotcha. That's a lot. That's a great list. I look forward to listening to your interviews. <laughs> well, thank you. All right. Well, you got anything else you want to say before we get out of here? I mean, you know, just again, thank you for having me. And Jason, thanks for letting me fill in for you tonight, man. And you and Trent are great. And Thunder Underground's great. And have a nice weekend. Week. Cool. Week. <laughs> <laughs> And Fist of Rage is great. Fist of Rage is great. So, yeah, thank you for doing this. And a huge thank you once again to Donnie V and to our sponsors, Med Farm, Sunset Tattoo, Hella Hot Hot Sauce, and DEB Concerts. And until next time. Hello, I've got Mr. Donnie V for the Trent Jason. (laughs) You guys hold for a moment? Of course. (laughs) How you doing? That was my secretary. (laughs) Well, glad to meet your secretary. Oh, he sounds more important, you know, if you have a secretary. Right. (laughs) Moist. Thunder Underground, y'all.